Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy the sermon from our series, Followers, a study on the specs. For more information about specs or how to get involved with CBC, visit us on the website, cbcsavannah.com. Gracious Father, thank you for this gathering, and uh, we thank you for the blessing of community that we have in Jesus Christ. And as we think about these things today related to uh, just being a follower of Jesus, God, I, I pray that you would increase our love for one another and that that increase would be evidence to the world that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, help us to just think through all of the things practically that that means for us as a body. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Okay, so if you were going to pick out a Christian, what would you look for? What are the distinguishing marks of a Christian? Would it be people who don't cuss? Would it be people who don't shop at Target? All those Walmart people are Christians, everybody else goes to Target. Would it be a plastic fish stuck on the back of a car? Would it be a t-shirt? In high school, uh, you guys are going to love this. Uh, I had a t-shirt that said, there's no surfing in hell, the lake of fire has no waves. I don't think anybody repented because of that t-shirt. <laughs> little, little overly zealous there in my sophomoreness. Jesus actually gives us the mark of a believer. He tells us how we will know Christians, and he does it in John chapter 13. Uh, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. How are they going to know that we are his disciples? If you have love for one another. That, that is the identifying mark of a Christian, that we love one another. So, Jesus says that we love one another as he loved us as he loved the disciples. So, so what was that like? Well, while we were still sinners, Christ loved us. He was, he was so consistently inconvenienced. He's trying to go places. He's trying to get somewhere. He's trying to do something. And there's always somebody there who needs healing, who, who, who's, who has a son with a, 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 a demon who, who needs care of some kind, and he stops, and he addresses that need. He loved people, and he told hard things to them. Mark, Mark says the rich young ruler, Jesus looked at him, and he loved him, and then he said, oh, there's, there's one more thing you're lacking. He told him something really hard that he needed to hear. And then most importantly, the, the example that Jesus set for us is that he laid down his life for us. He lived the ultimate sacrificial life. 
And y'all, I, I was so struck yesterday as I was just thinking through this. This is so relevant. This topic is so relevant right now. Think about this. Just, just in the last month, we are coming off of two political conventions that just could not be more divisive. Just conflict all over the place. We're coming off of religious fighting that is leading to terrorist attacks and all kind of things being thrown around. We're, we've seen racial tension like, like we haven't seen in years in, in, in this country. So how relevant is this right now? It's relevant because we live in a world where people are saying, why does everybody hate each other? And we have the opportunity as a local church right here to be this, this outpost of peace in a world of war, where people would look at us and they would say, what is different about you? Because it's totally, totally different than what I'm, what I'm seeing all around me. So over the last three weeks, we've been having this, this series, we're calling it Specs, we're just walking through the basics of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We've talked about Bible intake, Scripture, we've talked about prayer, we got out of order last week and talked about stewardship, but we're back to the C today, community. We want to talk about community. This is nothing unique to CBC. Uh, as we talked about a few weeks ago, this is, this is just basic Christian, what it means to follow uh, Christ, what, what, what Christians have done throughout all the, the centuries. And the simple fact is, Christians spend time in community together. And, and our Christian community, too, this is how we act together. This is, you know, the, the prayer, is, prayer, you know, maybe, maybe it's more in your closet at home, and, you, you know, Bible reading, it's more personal, but we're, we're starting to talk about now how we actually live, what we do together. And so, so this community, then, is really the fruit of our, our scripture reading and our prayer. It, it, it sort of wells up in us so that we love one another, okay? So here's what I want to do this morning. My, my goal this morning is, to, is not to guilt you into joining a community group. That is not my goal, although I hope that we, we get some people into community as a result. What I want you to do this morning, I want, I, what I want to do for you this morning is to show you a picture of how beautiful Christian community can be, okay? And I'm not naive. I know that, that in the church, it is hard to love others because we still have indwelling sin and other people still have indwelling sin. I was, I was uh, somebody said, I uh, read something this week, you know, the church is like Noah's Ark. It stinks on the inside, but it's way better than what's going on on the outside, all right? <laughs> So I, I, am, I am aware of that reality, okay? But I, so don't think I'm being naive, but I, I want to just point to the pot. We could, we could talk a lot about all the things that need to change in the church and all the problems of the church, but I'm just, I'm just going to say today, it could be this, okay? And we're going we're gonna to point at that, all right? So I'm not being naive. I know it's hard. I know, I know we still have to get along with people that we don't always like, but let's just think about what it could be like if we obeyed Christ in some of these areas, all right? Open with me the, the book of Acts chapter 2, and uh, you can just hang out there in chapter 2. I'm going to just give you a, 
a, a, a sort of brief how, how we get to chapter 2 before, we, uh, before we, we, we launch into that this morning. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples speaking to them about the kingdom of God, all right? And he gathered them together and he commanded them, don't you do anything, you stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And so Jesus ascends uh, back into heaven, into the clouds, he goes, he sits down next to the Father, and so they go and they wait for the Holy Spirit. And with the coming of the Holy Spirit, they will then be witnesses for him in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then even to the uttermost parts of the world, okay? All right, so in Acts chapter 2, we find the Holy Spirit actually coming, the promised Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples. And once he comes, they are able to speak in various languages and they are able to preach the mighty acts of God to everyone in their hearing. And all of these people have gathered. It's Pentecost. It's one of the feasts. So Jews from all over the world have come, different, different areas, different languages. They've come, and they can all hear in their own language. And it, at this point, Peter preaches what just had to have been one of the most remarkable, spirit-filled, powerful sermons ever. Jesus came. He lived among you. He did signs and wonders. And you crucified him. And then he says, God raised him up from the dead, and all of us, all of us who are talking to you today, we saw him alive. It's hard to believe. We know he was crucified, and crucified people are definitely dead, but we're here to tell you he is definitely alive. And now he is exalted at the right hand of the Father. God has shown that, that Jesus is who he claimed to be. You should know for certain that he is the Lord and the Christ. And the response from the crowd is like every preacher's dream, okay? Uh, Acts 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. And Luke tells us that 3,000 souls were added to their number that day. All right, so what happens next? What, what do those 3,000 people do? Look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So, I, you know, just, just for the sake of where we've been the last few weeks, I think it's interesting that their, their immediate response is exactly the things we've been talking about. So they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, which would have just been the apostles, to telling about the things that Jesus did and explaining how that relates to the Old Testament. So we'll, we'll call that Bible intake, either the Old Testament or the guys who are going to go write the Bible. They're, they're, they're taking it in. They devote themselves to the breaking of bread, which is, is probably just getting together to eat regularly and in that context, taking the Lord's Supper. They devote themselves to the prayers, and they devote themselves to the fellowship. And that has four results. Uh, look with me at verse 43 then. 
Acts chapter 2. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So you've got a sense of awe coming upon a fear a reverence for God as the apostles are are doing these wonderful things among them. You've got all those who believe are are coming together and sharing what they have in common. And then then finally, they're uh, they're living with this favor among all people that is resulting in more and more people being added to their number day by day. Y'all, don't you want that? Don't you want to live that way? Isn't that an exciting thought? Could we live in, in wonder as we share all that we have in common and live in favor with those around us so that, so that people are being added to our number day by day? And granted, this was a massive move of the Holy Spirit, but who are we to say? Who are we to say that if we obey what Jesus has commanded us to do together, that that the Holy Spirit wouldn't move in a a similar way among us today. So so what I want to do this morning is is I want to look. I want to look at the things that it means to have this this community together and, and see what we can do to begin to practice these things so that we may have love for one another that will result in the world looking at us and saying, I want some of that. Tell me about it. Tell me what's going on with you. And notice too, Peter does not wrap up his sermon by saying, okay, you're all believers. What I need you to do now is I need you to go read your Bible, pray, get into fellowship, and eat together. He doesn't say that. This is, again, same as, same as if you remember back when we talked about Scripture intake. Peter, you know, Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, where else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. It's the same here. It's it's just a natural response that as we begin to embrace more and more about what it means to be followers of Christ, we do that together, all right? So that's that's what we want to talk about this morning. That's where we're going to deep dive. How can we have gospel-centered community here at CBC, all right? So first of all, you may have noticed the word here that uh, is used in Acts 2 is fellowship. Now, I know that's a really kind of churchy word, all right? And, and some of you, you know, are like twitching right now because you're thinking of like casseroles and fellowship halls, all right? Because that's, that's, the, that's the way we've associated that word. I actually kind of like that word better than community because it's more active. You know, like you think you are in community. We have fellowship with one another, okay? But I'm not going to change that because spefs doesn't sound near as nice as specs. Okay, so we'll just leave community alone. But as I go along today, just know that I'm sort of using those words interchangeably here. All right? So the Greek word for that is koinonia. It appears 20 times in the New Testament. This is the first time 
And we're going to talk about what that word means because it's got a kind of a full meaning. But I think it's interesting that this is the first time that anybody in the New Testament uses this word. So, so perhaps there's something distinct about the community that the believers begin to feel once the Holy Spirit comes upon them here in Acts chapter 2. This word fellowship, community, it means something too that is distinctly Christian, okay? We want to have fellowship and, Christian, uh, a fellowship and community among ourselves that, that is distinctly Christian, okay? So I want to just talk briefly before we start. What, is, what are some, like, some pictures of community that may not be as adequate, okay? And, and the first is this. Christian community is more than just getting together, all right? It is more than just hanging out. In a few weeks, there's going to be a lot of community in Athens, Georgia, right? It's going to start. People are going to get together. They're going to celebrate together. They're going to mourn together. <laughs> there will be community, but there won't be anything distinctly Christian about that gathering. At the end of the day, they will go home and they'll wait another week to have community again. And, 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 and I should say, you know, there's like a little bit of a danger here in, in this gathering that we begin to look at, you know, that we just sort of come together here and that this is the extent of our community. Because our community together has to just come beyond just that we get together and hang out and have something in common, all right? There's an active element to being in fellowship with one another, okay? So that's, that's the first inadequate view of, of community, just that, we would, just that we would gather together. Secondly, Christian community is more than just knowing about one another, okay? So we live in an age where we know a lot about each other. Like, social media is designed so that we can know facts about one another. Like, I know what some of you had for dinner last night because you took a picture of it and you put it on the internet. I, I know what people's design they get on their lattes, the pretty little things. I know what some people's quiet time table looks like because it's carefully designed with a Bible and a flower and a cup of coffee and it's pretty and it's nice. And, I always wonder, like, do they spend as much time reading the Bible as they did preparing this scene that they took a picture of? So we know a lot about each other. We know a lot of facts about each other. But true Christian community is that we know each other. And it's so interesting, I, you know, it's just established these days that in spite of all these opportunities to know about each other, people feel more lonely than ever. People are feeling more disconnected even as they have more and more opportunities to talk about themselves. And then third, now some of you have been nodding your heads. You're just nodding along. And some of you, you're going to stop nodding when I say this, okay? Uh, Christian community is more than just Bible study. It is more, if the extent of your Christian community is that you're getting together and just listening to somebody lecture from the Scripture and then leaving, Bible intake is not the high point of your spirituality. 
What we want to do is to be hearing the Scripture and then going out and doing. And, and a lot of what we hear in the Scripture requires that we be with other people to do it. So to the extent that your Christian community is only listening to somebody else speak, it, it needs to be expanded. And listen, there is nobody who's a bigger proponent of Bible intake than I am, okay? I love to teach the Bible. I love to hear the Bible taught. I love to study the Bible. But our Bible intake must be producing that love for people that Jesus says will be the mark of a true disciple. All right, so what is true Christian community then? At CBC, we want to cultivate community that is distinctly Christian. So that word fellowship, koinonia in the Greek, it has, it has three parts. And I want to just talk about those briefly this morning. There's a relationship, there's a partnership, and there's sacrifice. True Christian community involves relationship, partnership, and sacrifice, all right? So let's talk with relationship. Let's start with relationship. Relationship is that we share our lives with one another. So the foundation of our fellowship is that we are forgiven because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, that is the foundation of all that we do. Because of that, you and I have more in common this morning. If you are a Christian, we have more in common with the guy in the Philippines who's already done worshiping this morning than we do with the, the people around us that don't know Christ, okay? Both of us believe, me and that guy in the Philippines, our lives are centered around the fact that Christ is Lord, and so therefore, we have much in common, all right? Now, get this, sin drives us away from each other. All the way back in the garden, you know, the God created Adam and Eve, and they were naked, and they were unashamed. They lived in total openness before Him and before each other, and they sinned. And what's the first thing they did when they sinned? They hid and they covered up, and that is sin. Sin separates us from God, and it separates from each other. Every relationship problem you have in your life is related somehow to sin and your desire to cover up and hide. All right, so in Christ, we don't have to cover up anymore. We do not have to hide. We can be right with God, and we can know that He knows us as we are and that He has forgiven us, and we can be right with other people, and we can be honest. And ideally, and oh God, that this would be the, that this would be the case in our congregation, ideally we are able to be frank and open with one another, with one another without fear of judgment. Now, not, not that we are frank and open and continuing in habitual sin, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, because part of our love is that we don't let that, but that we would be frank about, about our struggles and our difficulties and that we would know that people are not going to shame us for, for being honest about who we are. I am a sinner saved by grace. I am the worst sinner I know. I don't know what goes on in your mind. I know what goes on in mine. Okay? I, I'm the worst sinner I know. And I think this, if we start right there, then, then these, these walls that we have built between us will start to break down. Galatians 3 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. 
So, so ultimately, because we are all forgiven, because we are all sinners saved by grace, there is no black, white, male, female, middle class, upper class, lower class, married, single, old, young. You don't have to say, I don't have anything in common with those people, because you do. You have been forgiven a debt that you couldn't pay. All of us together. And so we have that in common. And so there's so much then that comes out of that relationship. Maybe you're a guy in here this morning and you're like, all this relationship talk. I feel like I'm going to have to get in a group and like start sending letters of encouragement to each other, okay? Let, 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 me take it, let me take it beyond that. Think of it this way. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. We are brothers and sisters in Christ who are in a battle and we are fighting against sin that is on the outside and on the inside. There is a spiritual assassin out there. His name is Satan, and he wants to kill you. And if he can't kill you, he wants to make your life miserable and ruin your testimony. And so we're in a battle together. I need people who are going to warn me about the schemes of Satan. And if that weren't enough, we have this other enemy that is like inside of us trying to open the gates and let the outside enemy come in and, and that enemy has got these things in our lives, and they're called blind spots. And they're blind spots, and so I don't know what they are. But we get into community so that other people can help us see those blind spots because, y'all, sin is really bad. When people who we love tell us about sin that we can't see in our lives, they're doing a loving thing for us. So we're in a battle together, and we need each other. And, and if you're never encountering another Christian outside of this room every week, you are depriving yourselves of, 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 a, of a weapon, of a of protection in that battle, all right? But here's something else. It's, we're not just, you know, running around with whistles in our mouth trying to, like, you know, blow out sin on each other. Woo! You know, I saw that. I saw that's not That's not it either. Because there's also this, this value of good works. Like, I am not saved by works. We're good Protestants. Faith, faith saves. But the Bible says that we will be rewarded for the things that we do to serve Christ in, in this life. And so we gather together. Hebrews 10, 24-25. Let us consider how we may stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. So we actually get together, and, and we don't just call out sin, but we say, let's, let's think about how I can encourage so-and-so to good works, to stir one another up to love and good deeds. Man, how fun could that be? How... How fun could it be to gather together and, and to literally dream about the things that we could do together to serve Jesus Christ? And, 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 and we're all on the same team, y'all. Jesus is going to win. I've read the end of the book. It's great. We're all on the same team. So to encourage one another, get more of those rewards, that's real. I know it doesn't seem like it right now. I know that you've had a tough week, and I know that, you know, sin is really... But, man, that, that, this stuff is real. Go for it. 
So we encourage one another. And something else that's interesting about Hebrews 10 and then uh, Acts 2.42, he says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And, and, and in Hebrews 10, it says, you know, don't give up meeting together. And what that says to me is this, Christian fellowship is not just flaky like, ah, sometimes I run into Christians. It's being committed to somebody, to a group of people who are there to know you. There's no flaky community in the Scriptures. It's, it's commitment, and it's, it's priority, because if, if it's a battle, you, you, you see the value of that. Personally, I have been so blessed. I, I am so blessed by the men and women who have poured into me, older men who have told me hard things. I am the person I am today because older men have, have, have told me things that I needed to hear. And I, I can't think of once when I received it great. It's hard. I'm more of a like, and then I go away and I think about it and I come back and I'm like, okay, yeah, you were right. Tell me, tell me more about what I need to know. It's not fun, but you need those people. And then there are people like my peers that God uses because we're in the battle together and, and they learn something and I'm like, oh man, that's great. And then I learn something and I'm, they, they, they hear that and we're, we're, chug, we're chugging along together. And then, you know, people younger than me that God has brought to my life and, and I've been able to influence them. Y'all, there is no, I'm telling you, there is nothing cooler than, than having a Christian relationship with someone younger than you and then over time seeing that person become your friend. That is one of the greatest experiences, in my opinion, in the Christian life. And, and those are some of, the, some of the relationships that I cherish the most. And here's the thing. A lot of those people, I, I would have never expected to... If, if I was the one picking who I was going to be connected with, I, I wouldn't have picked them. And God has used them in my life in remarkable ways. Right? So don't be so sure that you know who is good for you to have community with and who is bad for you to have community with. All right? this is, th these are the people we live with. This is it. We are, God has put us in this congregation at this time right now. And, and I, would, I would say for all of you, there are people here that he has for you to serve and to serve you. So, so let's take advantage of, of the assets that God has given us. Okay, number two. Partnership. So relationship means the sharing of life. Partnership means that we are doing something together. We share the same objective. Okay? A couple of cool verses. When we did Philippians last year, Philippians 1.5, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, uh, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That word partnership? Koinonia. Your partnership in the gospel, yet that's the same word for fellowship. In Luke 5, 9 through 10, uh, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Same word, business partners. James and John were business partners with Simon in their fishing business, okay? 
So when we come together, there is something that we are doing together when we fellowship. It's not just sharing of life, but we are actively serving God. Yeah, I, I think of it, it's like the family business, right? Jesus is God's son. God is in the business of sending Jesus to save, to help People, when we get saved, when we embrace that, we become partners in the family business. It's as if God is saying, okay, join up. There is work to be done. And it starts with serving the body. The work to be done starts with serving each other. There are all these commands in the New Testament, and, and they have this word, one another, in there. It's one word in the Greek. It's two words in English. One another. There's, there's 59 one another's in the New Testament. All right? And so these are instructions. Almost all of them are to be carried out in the body of Christ. Okay? So if you're not experiencing community together, you can't practice the one another's. And that's exactly what Jesus has called us to do. Four of them involve kissing. Okay? So we'll ignore those. All right, when you do your, your one another study. All right, but one third of them speak of unity. Eleven instruct us to love one another. And seven of them tell us to have an attitude of humility and deference towards one another. Let me give you a few of them. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. Colossians 3.13, bear with one another and forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Romans 12.10, outdo one another in showing honor. Man, what if we had community groups where we were like, we are committed to, to doing Romans 12.10. We're committed to outdoing our honor for one another. Think about what that would show to the world. Think about how different that would be. Encourage and build one another up, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Speak truth to one another, Ephesians 4.25. A great personal study or maybe even a group study together would be to go, you can just Google 59 one another's. There are lists all over the place on, on the internet. And do a study of those one another's and think about how can we live and practice these things with one another. And that's our, comp that's our objective. And then beyond that to just dream about how we can serve Jesus Christ. I'll just speak personally. I just got back from a trip to Nicaragua. I mean, all ages, all kinds of different people. We had younger guys. We had older guys. I like to think I'm somewhere in the middle. But we were serving God together, and it was fun. And you know what? I got to know those people so well because we were doing something. We were doing something together. My, my closest friendships, many of my closest friendships are other people who adopt because we're doing that together. We talk about that. We're like conspiring about how we can do that better. So my encourage you, encouragement to you this morning is to find community, practice the one another's, and then let that community stir your mind into how you can be serving Jesus together. And there's so much joy there. 
as you find yourself that there's less and less of you, and that's what happens when we spend time, when our relationship with Christ is strengthening, and when we are more and more in community with other people, you know, it, we find there's, that, that's how there starts to be less of me and more of Jesus. You know, John the Baptist, the, I must decrease and he must increase. That's how it happens as we serve one another and we serve the world around us and we find the joy because there's so much joy in giving, y'all. There's so much joy in giving and there is so much pain and conflict in being selfish. And so many people live for themselves, not realizing that there's just, there's just joy upon joy in serving God and serving people. So third, we talk relationship, we talk partnership. Third, sacrifice. And that just simply means sharing in each other's physical needs. Uh, we, we see that that fellowship in, in Acts 2 resulted uh, day by day. They were, uh, well, back up, they, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So we just see this culture of sacrifice. When people come up to John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 and they say, what should we do? Okay, we are convicted by what you're saying. What should you do? One of the things he says is, you know, hey, you guys who have two coats, you need to give one of those coats to the person who has no coat. All right? So one of the reasons we come together in community together is so that the two-coat people in our congregation can find the no-coat people and give them a coat. All right? That's, that's, that's the deal. The, those of us who God has blessed can, can then bless with those of us who, who have, have less. And, and it becomes this community. And it's not communism, nobody, no matter any, what anybody wants to tell you, okay? There's no compulsory giving in this. It's just born out of the realization of what Christ has done for us and how we, we've seen. We've seen the joy of giving to one another. It's so interesting to look back in the New Testament and think about how radical those first gatherings must have been. You know, in the temple, male and female, you didn't worship together. There was a court of the, there was a court of the women, and then the men went into the inner court. Can you imagine walking into some of those first churches and seeing men and women worshiping God together? Jews and Gentiles? Oh, you think we got racial problems? There was a lot of hate and, and now they're coming together and they're worshiping God together. Think about this. We, we hear of slaves who have given their lives to Christ. And Paul also speaks of members of Caesar's household. Think about if you're like a member of Caesar's household. And you come into a, a body in a local home and there's a slave preaching to you. Talk about a change of relationship. And we've lost, we've lost the radicalness of that. That it is truly radical. It's amazing that God brings us together in Christ to worship Him and serve one another. All right, let me wrap up. Number one, closing point number one. Fellowship is something you must cultivate, okay? Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I want that, that sounds great. I want the sharing, I want the giving, I want the joy, I want the Lord added to, my, to the number. I want that. Okay, don't get convicted and, and fill out a connect card and, and, and hand it in, and then when somebody gets in touch with you, let, let the feeling pass. Okay, remember what you're thinking about right now. 
Acts 2.42, I haven't mentioned this word yet, but it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to prayer. King James says they continued steadfastly. True biblical community can't be an add-on to your life, okay? It can't just be one more thing you do. It's, it's got to be something that you embrace as, as a priority of following Jesus and that you, you commit to, I am going to obey Christ in this area. Now, I've been in churches, you've probably been in churches where there's like stuff going on all the time. And, you know, five nights a week, if you're, not, if you're not part of the crowd who's locking up the doors, you know, you're not spiritual. That is not us, okay? We have, we have like stripped down what we do here at CBC so that you can gather here on Sunday mornings and then we have community groups that meet in the middle of the week, okay? So there, there should be nothing that is stopping you in terms of like things around here from being able to gather with other believers, all right? We gather here on Sunday to be equipped and encouraged, and then we go out, and part of that going out is, is getting into smaller groups where you can practice the one another's. That's the idea, and that's where you're going to be cared for, and that's where people are going. We can't, I love you guys, I love to see you, the, the name tags are nice, but you can't know somebody in here with 750 people on a Sunday morning. So you have to get into these smaller groups so that you can know and be known. All right, we have about 35 community groups around Savannah and the surrounding areas. I know all of the leaders. They've, they've, they've been trained I would personally attend any of these community groups, okay? So, so you can go on our website and you can, you can look at, at the community group section and you can find a community group in your area, all right? They're listed by area. You can also email us. You can email the church. You can email me, okay? You can fill out a connect card and you can say, I, here's my information. I want to I be connected with a group. That's, that's our plan for helping you facilitate community, okay? Now, maybe you're like, well, I've already got great Christian community. That's great. Be in some kind of Christian community, all right? That is our hope for you, that you know other believers and you're able to practice the one another's together. Don't forget that word, devoted. And don't let the conviction pass, okay? Number two, this is interesting, and this is a nice little segue to next week. The fellowship we have with one another will attract unbelievers to the gospel, all right? I don't even fully understand this, okay? Look with me. I'm going to put it up here. John 17, 20 through 21. This is Jesus' final prayer, and he's prayed for the disciples that they would be protected and that they would be unified and they would be sanctified, and then he prays for us here. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. Okay, so that's us. We're the ones who believe because of the witness of the apostles, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Did you get that? So that? That we would be one, that we have love for one another, so that the world would believe that you sent me. True Christian community, it's, 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 it's kind of the unsung hero of evangelism. And it's funny because Christian churches, they try a lot of things. You know, I've, I've seen churches giving away iPads. You know, come in, we're going to raffle an iPad. I, I've heard of churches giving away cars. Bring your friends and we'll, we'll give away a car this Sunday, you know. 
We could make this place into a, a nightclub feel or a rock concert feel, trying to just desperately attract, you know, unbelievers. And that would be awesome if they would come. But all of those things are things that we can do. You know, like we can like raise the money and buy a car and give it away, or we can raise the money and turn this place into a, you know, a smoke machine, you know, light festival. We could do that. And that wouldn't require the Holy Spirit, okay? Or we could love each other. And that's really hard. It's really hard. And it does require the Holy Spirit. And it requires God transforming my heart and your heart and messing up sometimes and having to come back to repent and sometimes having somebody say, hey, you're doing this wrong. And then, you know, following the cycle of getting mad, realizing and going back. And all of those things that are, that are, that are really hard. But we have to depend on the promises that God has given us that when we love one another, people will look at that and, and it will be attractive to them. And, and you might think, well, a church, a church that's committed to, to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and to fellowship and to prayer, you know, isn't that just a bunch of people who are more heavenly minded than they, than they are earthly good? And I would say, I've never met that person. I have never met a person who just loves Jesus so much and they're no good. I've never met that person. Y'all, if your love for Jesus will increase, your love for Jesus must increase. And your love, I'm sorry, that, that didn't make sense. Your love for one another must increase. And people will see that and they'll want to know what's going on. So at CBC, I hope we can be a, a church where, where people would, would come in the doors or visit your community groups or, or see you praying together at Starbucks and say, man, I, I see you all the time and you just, you don't hate each other. What's different about that? And that that's an opportunity for you to tell them about the work that Jesus Christ has done in your heart and about the relationship that you have with God and the relationship that you have with other people. So it's not community for the sake of community. It's community for the sake of the glory of God and for the sake of the world around us, all right? Let's pray. Father, as I said at the beginning, these are, these are kind of hard things. And I, I confess, and I know, I know my brothers and sisters here well enough to, to confess for them that we, we recognize the sin that still is in our own hearts, and, and this is not some kind of utopia, and, but just this, just this, God, we need your power. We need you to transform our hearts. Father, would you please put your glory on display through the love that we have for one another at CBC? Would you please do that for us? Would you transform our hearts with your Holy Spirit? God, would you put in the hearts of, of us, of me, of, of, of the people in my hearing this morning, that we would be people who are seeking to honor one another as much as we possibly can, that we would be people who love one another, that we would be people who seek forgiveness from one another, who confess our sins to one another. Please, God, I pray that people would leave my hearing right now and would go and find out what those one another's are and say, I, I got to do that because Jesus has commanded me to do that and I will be blessed and the world will be blessed through that. God, please do this for us today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.